Welcome. What a great group here today. We had a great group at our early service today, and thank you for being here. We welcome our guest. If you're a guest today, I'd love to meet you. Hope you'll take time to come up. I'll be at the front and love to meet our guest today. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. Met so many families through Upward, uh, families who are not connected to a church and looking for a place to belong. And so we had a great chance to connect with them and looking forward to them beginning to connect with us. Some are asking about our Wednesday night services and Sunday morning. And so if you're here and you're upward, thank you so much for being here. Church, we have a great harvest. There are fields wide unto harvest. People in our community who are not connected to Jesus, not connected to churches. And we have a great opportunity to reap the harvest, to prepare for harvest. So I hope you'll be part of that. There are invite cards I was telling the early service, out here you can get an invite card. There, that's a great way to be part of the harvest. Invite folks to come to church. I go, when I go through the, like the bank, if it's a new teller, I'll say, hey, do you have a church home? If there's nobody behind me, if there's somebody behind me, I may not always do that. But if, if nobody's real crowded, I'll say, do you have a church home? They'll say yes or no, or I'm looking. And so I just, hey, I want to give you an invite to our church. I don't tell them I'm, I'm the preacher. I just said, hey, I got a Ridgeview. You come on down. And so I know one lady told me she's started watching a little bit of our services. And so you guys that are online watching, thank you. Some of you told me at Upward that you watch online. And we're so glad you're part of our worship. And we welcome you each Sunday. Well, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. Before we get there, though, we're going to put a few pictures up here on the screen of some trunk or treat. This is my family through the years. There we were hippies. All right, so we had to just go scroll through some of those. We enjoy trunk or treat. We enjoy being able to have a little fun with our community and for them to see the pastor is just like everybody else and my family. And so we, we started trunk or treat and we was in North Carolina and we had a great time there and now doing it here this year. We need your help. There's sign-up sheets back on the table. There's sign-up sheets online. You can, you don't have to, Dress up like I was a ghost. I was the ghost there. You don't have to dress up. You can just decorate your car and hand candy out. You can help with the games. You can help make nachos. You can help just welcome and register people. We need you next Sunday night right out here in this parking lot, 530 to 7. We need you. You don't have to be a member. You just be someone who loves Jesus and wants to be part of our community event and it's a great way to invite folks to come. And so I hope you shine up and be part of that. We're going to have a great time. I celebrate with Nathan and Stacy and the Upward team. What a great season. I had such, I had such a blast. It was, it was just wonderful. I got to work with Jordan and Jared and Kenny. And we did a three-year-old through kindergarten team. And it was so much fun. And I just, uh, I enjoyed the season, got to meet families. And on Saturdays, I would come just hang out, watching all the people out there. And it was such a blessing to see kids getting excited, whether they scored a goal or someone else did, and hearing the coaches out there encouraging them. It was, it was an awesome week, awesome season. And then the awesome week, having a, a fifth grader trust Christ, pray to receive Jesus. Like Patrick said, that made it worth it all. Uh, that's priceless. You can't put a, a cross on that. And so we're so thankful for Upward, uh, Nathan and Stacy and the team leading the way through example. 
And I hope you'll be praying about that. If you're interested in upward basketball, you're listening online or you're here today and you have children, Oak Grove, our mother church, is starting upward basketball. Go to their website, Oak Grove Baptist Church, and uh, you'll find out more information. They're doing the, um, what's it called, evaluations this week. And so if you would also like to help, if you'd like to help uh, coaching or help with evaluations, uh, see Mr. Holcomb there at Oak Grove. Also, if you're, if you're looking for somewhere else to serve in our community, the Rec League's looking for some folks to help with flag football. And so it'd uh, be a great way to meet some people in the community. I met some of you folks because I, I coached rec baseball and rec football when we first moved here. And some of the families that are here, I met you through that. And so that's a great way to invest in our community is to coach. All right. Well, now let's dig into God's word. First John chapter two. This is a great passage. I love this passage. I have enjoyed our series. Our series is evidence of faith. We have talked through the first two chapters about some of the evidence of our faith. When there is fruit, that means that there's root. When there's some things that's coming out in our lives, that's evidence that we belong to Christ. We have talked in this passage, we have talked for the several weeks leading up to today, that obedience is one of those evidence of faith. Jesus says, you know that you know me if you keep my commandments. You can know that you belong to me when you obey me. And then we talked about love. We talked about we, we can't love the world and the things of this world. Because if we love this world, the love of the Father is not in us. So we're to love him more than we're to love this world. And that's evidence of our faith. In the next few weeks, we'll also see when we love the brethren, when we love one another, that's evidence of our faith. And then last week, we talked about persevering. John says, they left us. They went out from us. If they had continued with us, that means they would have been part of us. And so persevering, continuing on, persevering shows that we, there's evidence of our faith. Church, isn't that a wonderful sound? Don't you just love the little ones? I, I tell you young families, we're so glad you're here. Do not worry about your baby crying or your youngins. It's beautiful noise to this preacher. Because I told you before, a church with no children is quieter, and it's cleaner, and it's cheaper, and it's dead. All right? <laughs> so we don't want quieter, cheaper, and cleaner. We love kids here. We want your kids. Preschool's provided for them downstairs. First and third Sunday, children's church for the older kids. But that's just an option for you. You can bring them up here. It's okay. We... Man, we want you here. We're glad you're here. Amen, church? I mean, man, I, I got carried out many a times when I was a little youngin. And my dad was in the pulpit, and he'd call me down. So I, I know all about that. My mama would take me out, and my mama knows how to whip. Now, let me tell you. She always listens online, her and my sister. And I remember when I was, oh, probably about 15, I thought I was, you know, I was something then. And I remember one day my mama pinned me against the wall. I still remember that today, mama. As you pinned me against the wall, you made sure to know I wasn't nothing. Now you still was mama. <laughs> it's a great passage here. We're a great passage about evidence of faith. We're going to talk about righteousness today. And that, 
I tell you what, there, I hope you'll take this and read it this week. We're actually, this is some of our reading for our D group. And man, there's so much here. This is so good. And so let's pick up in verse 28 of chapter 2. We're going to read 28 and 29. Then we're going to read verse 1, 2, and 3 of chapter 3. And our outline, very simply, is going to be three words in verse 28. Three words that begin with the letter A. Abide, appears, and ashamed. We'll spend the majority of our time with the first word, and that's abide. So John is writing. He says, and now, little children... Again, he's 90 years old when he's writing this in his 90s. Everybody's little children to him, but there's this gentleness about him. He cares for people. He cares for you, cares for me. He's a man of God, one of the apostles. So he says, and now, little children, abide in him. Now that him is Jesus. Abide in Jesus. That when he, again, that's Jesus, when Jesus appears... We may have confidence and not be ashamed before him, Jesus, at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. There's our evidence of faith about righteousness. If you practice righteousness, then you're born of him. Verse chapter 3, verse 1. Behold... What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Many of you grew up learning that song, didn't you? Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. It's amazing how we can learn scripture by singing it, isn't it? Wonderful. So behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we shall be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, what a beautiful term for us. We are beloved by God. Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has his hope in him, notice what our hope is in, it's in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Let's pray. Lord, this day has been a wonderful day. We have already had a wonderful time at the early service. We've had a wonderful Bible study in our Sunday school. And now, Lord, for a few of us, we get to do it all again here again in this 1030 service. And we are so excited of what you're going to do. Lord, you've been at work in my life. Every time I prepare to preach, you do a work in my life. You humble me. You convict me. You encourage me. You challenge me. So, Lord... You always speak to me before we ever share what you are saying to others. And I pray today that this will become personal as we study your word, that it will not be about us judging our wives or our husbands or our kids, about our neighbors or our co-workers, but it will be about us evaluating ourselves, looking into our own lives. Is there fruit that gives evidence of a root. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to teach us today. And Lord, if there's anyone in this sanctuary who are listening online that does not know you, our prayer is that you would draw them to you today and they would surrender their life and accept you as Lord and Savior. Receive what the work you've done on the cross and the empty tomb. 
Lord, some here have heavy burdens. Some sitting in their living rooms are carrying heavy burdens. They are overwhelmed with fear and worry and stress. And I pray, pray that you will bring comfort to them. We pray for families who've had deaths. We pray for families who are going through sickness. We pray for healing. We pray for Isabel and we pray for Nick. Thank you for a good report this week. We praise the Lord for that. We pray for Curtis's mom and Chris's mom. Pray for Jane. Pray for Doug and Steve and others who are going through treatments. Lord, we pray for Tina. She has surgery on Friday. We pray for others as Larry who are covering from surgery. We pray for Sue, others in our church who, Lord, just need a touch from you. Lord, we pray for our military and our missionaries and our medical and our first responders, our students and our teachers and administration. Lord, I just pray for all of these folks. We pray, Lord, that we will have eyes to see the fields widen to harvest. And you will speak into our lives this day. Thank you for what you're going to do. We give you glory for all things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me just brag for a minute on some folks this week. Our testimonies this week for Upward. Kenny shared on Thursday. And then Steve Wade shared at the first uh, game. And then Bethany Wade shared at the second game. And they all did great. And Bethany's here this morning. And we were just so proud of her, sharing about how God had worked in her life, how God had delivered her and healed her. And it was just a, a wonderful testimony. And I just want to brag on our folks for sharing. Let's dive into the passage. The outline, first off, our first point is the word abide. Now, next week, we'll pick up in verse 4 and read through verse 9. And we'll be having the Lord's Supper. And so those who are at home, if you would like to participate at home, either contact the church office, we'll get, we'll get communion to you, or come by the church and we'll have it here provided for you. So we're going to gather in both services. At 8.30 we'll have Lord's Supper, at 10.30 we'll have Lord's Supper, and we'll talk about what Jesus has done for us. And so today the word abide. We saw that word several times in chapter 1. And we've already seen it several times in chapter 2. The word abide in your translation may say remain, to remain in Jesus, to continue with Jesus. The understanding of abiding is that we're walking with Jesus. John chapter 15, another song, we think about a verse that we learned. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me... You will bear much fruit. But if you don't, without me, you can do nothing. Abiding is that we're walking with Jesus, that we're in the light, because that's where fellowship with Jesus is, in the light. When we stumble into darkness and to sin, then we do not have fellowship with Jesus. We still belong to him if we're truly saved. But we don't have fellowship. So to abide in Jesus is to be in his word, is to read his word daily, but not just read it and not just hear it, but to be doers of the word. We're to be doing what the word tells us to, to be surrendering to the Holy Spirit, to have fellowship with Jesus. That's what it means to abide. And so here he says to abide in Jesus. The commentaries say that this is in the present tense. So that means it's to be continually 
Every day we're to abide in Jesus. Every day we're to be walking with Jesus. Every day we're to be praying and talking to Jesus. Every day we're to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit teaching us from God's word and being God's word. And so we're to abide continually. Look in verse 29 as we think about abiding. The fruit of abiding, the fruit of knowing Jesus is righteousness. Look what it says in verse 29. If you know that he is righteous. Now let's just stop there for a minute. We know that Jesus is righteous. Patrick in his prayer and when the scripture he was reading talking about the righteousness of Jesus. We know that Jesus is righteous. Jesus was born of a virgin. He does not have the sinful nature like you and I do. Everyone who's been born of a man and a woman is born with a sinful nature. We are sinful by nature and we are sinful by choice. We all choose to disobey. We are a sinful people. And so Jesus, born of a virgin, was, did not have a sinful nature and Jesus did not sin. Jesus knew no sin. He was righteous. He met the standard of God. God's standard is perfection. You and I do not meet that standard. We fail. We break the law. We disobey the word of God. But Jesus never did. He was the unblemished lamb of God. There was no sin in him. He was righteous, sinless, and perfect. That's who Jesus was. Now contrast that with who we are. Jesus met the standard of God. Jesus was perfect. He, he never broke the law. He fulfilled the law. Jesus was righteous. Now contrast with who we are. We are sinful. We are unrighteous. Hold your hand in 1 John and look in Romans chapter 3. It'll be on the screen, and I'm so thankful for our tech team, the great job that they do. And I'm thankful for the worship team, the great job that they do. Tech team and worship team, at our annual meeting Monday, we had all the churches here. And man, they just brought glory to God. Tech team did great. Worship team did great. All of our greeters, everybody just did great. So proud to be your pastor. In Romans chapter 3, look at verse 10 through 12. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Makes it pretty clear, doesn't it? None of us are righteous. None of us meets God's standard. We are all unrighteous. None of us even seek God. We are blind in our sin. We are dead in our sin. We are separated from God because of our sin. We deserve hell because of our sin. That's who we are. Contrast that to who Jesus is. Jesus is righteous. He is sinless. He is perfect. And so go back to your back there in Romans, one more verse we don't want to miss. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Here's what I want you to hear me say. If you want to get to heaven, you got to be righteous. You got to be perfect. 
Guess what? That's impossible for any of us to go to heaven because none of us are perfect. We've all sinned. We've all fall short of the glory of God. God says, I've got a standard. And the standard is you have to be perfect. The standard is you have to meet my standard of righteousness. And we all fall short. Some are a little better than others. But we all still fall short. What, is, what does Isaiah say about our righteousness? Our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. If you're here today and you believe because you're a good person, that's why you're going to go to heaven. That's what the world thinks. You go down here at the Walmart and interview people coming out. Of course, you couldn't do that much today because you'd have to have a mask on and whatever else. But let's say you interviewed some people and you said, are you going to go to heaven? 99% of the people would say yes. And I'd say, why are you going to heaven? Well, because I'm a good person. Bad people go to hell. Good people go to heaven. That's not what God's word teaches us. Here's what God's word teaches us. We all have failed in meeting the standard of righteousness. You see, the reason I'm telling you this is because it gets so good when you understand contrast. Here's Jesus. He's righteous. Here's us. We're all unrighteous. We do not meet God's standard. We can't be good enough to get to heaven. We are a sinful people. So when you read the rest of this passage, it gets really good. So listen to what it says. Go back to 1 John now. And so we know, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. We, we've done said, we can't be righteous because we are a sinful people. We cannot meet the standard of God. We are a sinful people. There is none righteous, no, not one. We don't even seek God. So if we're practicing righteousness, guess what that's evidence of? We have been born again because we can't do it apart from the working of God in our life. I hope you get this, Decay, because it's a, it's a beautiful thing about whoever practices righteousness. And, and that means that we're walking with Jesus. That means we're doing the right thing for the right reason. There's lots of people in our world who are lost who do right things. But when you look at their heart, there's always a motive behind what they're doing. When we're called to righteousness, those who practice righteousness means evidence that we are born of him because we couldn't, practice, we couldn't practice righteousness without Jesus. So let's think about righteousness for a minute because this is some good stuff. I love this. So here we are. We are lost in our sins, every one of us. All, none of us do righteous. None of us do good. We're all lost in our sins, blinded in sin, dead in sin. There's who we are. And then Jesus leaves heaven. He's born of a virgin. And he does that. First one of chapter three says, behold, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us. Jesus left heaven and came looking to rescue us because of love. And it says, what manner of love. This is an amazing love. This is an agape love. We can't get our arms around this love that God has for us. There we are, enemies, rebellious, enemies of God. But yet Jesus loves us. And he came looking for us. And he came to make us his. 
He came to love us and to rescue us. There in chapter 3, it says, This manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. We were lost in our sins, but because of Jesus, we can now be adopted into the family of God. So here's what I want you to get. Now, don't miss this. You don't want to miss this. So there we are. There is no righteousness in us. We don't meet God's standard. But then Jesus comes, and Jesus meets the standard Jesus is perfect. He meets the standard of God. So God now is justified in doing what what this biblical word we call imputed. So what God is able to do now is justified that when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to speak into our life, there we are dead in our sins, blind in our sins. There we are bound for hell and the Holy Spirit begins to convict us. Shines the light of the gospel into our hearts. And then it comes to human responsibility for us. Do we receive the gift that's been offered us by faith and trust in Jesus? Or do we reject it and remain in our sin? If we receive it by faith, then a miraculous thing happens. We're transformed. We're changed. We become a follower of Jesus. Our sin is forgiven The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us. And here's what God does. Here's the reason he's justified in adopting us as his children. Because God says, okay, Jesus, you met the standard. You were righteous. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to impute. I'm going to take your righteousness, Jesus. If you know that Jesus is righteous, we know that he's righteous. The Father's going to impute the righteousness of Jesus Onto our account if we trust in Jesus. So that's why we said it was impossible for us to go to heaven because we don't meet God's standard. But if we trust in Jesus, if we put our faith in Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus, God puts on our account. And so now when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. Now I can enter into heaven. Why? Not because I'm a preacher, not because I helped with upward, not because I tithe, not because I try to be a good husband. No, the only reason I can get into heaven is because the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed to my account. I've been adopted now because God sees the righteousness of Jesus. He's justified. Now we're accepted. Now we're beloved because of the righteousness of Jesus. All what Jesus did. And so it doesn't just stop there. It gets, it's good because here's what God does. He then takes all of my sin, all of my rebellion, the penalty of my sin that I deserved, and he imputes it to the account of Jesus And puts it up on Jesus on the cross. And there's Jesus. His righteousness put on my account. And my sin put on his account. Oh, what a savior. Can you say amen? What Jesus did for us. And so when we think about the righteousness, go back to verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. First of all, our righteousness that justifies God accepting us and adopting us is in Jesus and him alone. Now, second of all, not only is our righteousness in him, but our righteousness is through him. We're able to practice righteousness 
This is not God saying, hey, give a good effort. Hey, work harder at it. Hey, you can, you got enough strength to do it. That's not what God's saying here. He says, you're going to practice righteousness if you've been born again, because you have the source of power to do that. And that's the Holy Spirit. Now you've got the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's going to help us to have fruit of righteousness. Now it comes with surrender. It comes with yielding to the Holy Spirit. It comes with discipline, but it's in his power and his strength. So our righteousness is in Jesus and our righteousness that we practice is through Jesus. It's all about him. John 15, in me, if you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. Church, we can do nothing without Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Never forget that. And if you do, I'll remind you. All right? We can do nothing without Jesus. And so we see this righteousness that he has given. Notice... Notice the wording there, who practices righteousness. Next week, we're going to talk about practicing. We, we, if you've truly been born again, you do not practice sin. That means remaining in sin. You may stumble into sin, but you're not going to remain there. We're talking about practicing righteousness. It should be something that's become a pattern in our life. A pattern. That daily we're practicing doing what is right because of the work of the Holy Spirit. But notice the wording, it's practicing, practices righteousness. It's not perfected righteousness. We're a work in progress. It's a lifetime process and progress of becoming more like Jesus. The Bible says we are saved to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Every day we should be taking a little baby step growing in an area of our life to becoming more like Jesus in our attitudes and, and overcoming temptation and how we treat our spouse and how we treat our neighbor and how we're living and how we're giving and how we're serving. We should be growing. Notice in the passage, look at verse two. Now, we are children of God. There's this understanding and, and teaching. There's the already not yet understanding. We're already children of God. You've been adopted into the family of God if you trusted in Jesus. You're already a child of God. But you're not yet everything that God wants you to be. It's called sanctification. We're already part of his family. But now the not yet is we've not yet seen what we shall be. Now, when you read that in verse two, oftentimes we just think about heaven. It has not been revealed what we shall be. And I believe that's what it's talking about. Because one day we're going to be with Jesus and we're going to be like Jesus. We're going to have our glorified body. We won't have to deal with sin anymore. We won't have to deal with death anymore. Glorified body. We'll have eyes that see now. We'll see Jesus as he is and all of his glory. And we'll have the capacity to worship as we should worship. And so we're going to be like him one day. But notice that also that part's not been revealed what we shall be. We said Wednesday night, the little song, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Think about that. There's a sign up on my heart. I'm an unfinished part. I'm not everything that God wants me to be yet. 
He is working. I'm under construction. I said at the early service, we are followers of Jesus wearing hard hats because we're under construction. We're becoming more like Jesus. And so we're called to abide with Jesus. And when we abide in him, there's fruit of righteousness that comes from the root that we've been born again. Now, real quickly, I told you that was going to be the most of the message. Two more words we can't pass on. We've got to take just a minute. The other two words in verse 28, appear. Hey, church, can I tell you what John's reminding us of? Hey, can I tell you something? Jesus is coming again. Can you say amen? That doesn't say if he appears, but what does it say? When he appears. Every day, it ought to be on our mind. We, we sang Blessed Assurance, one of my favorite songs. Waiting and watching and looking for the return of Jesus. There's a blessed assurance. Jesus is coming again. He says, when he appears. Let me tell you, church, he is coming. Three things real quickly. When he comes. In pre preparation for his coming. It should motivate us and encourage us to live for him. Look in verse 3. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We should be motivated to live righteous lives. We should be motivated to obey the Holy Spirit. We should be motivated to live for Jesus. Second of all, it should motivate, motivate us to look hopefully. He says, who has this hope in him? We are people with hope. I know the world is on fire, but man, we trust the one who's in control. We got hope. We can move and go forward. We got hope in him. He's in control and he's coming back for us. And the third thing is we ought to love the hurting and the lost. Church, there should be an urgency for us. The fields are wide in the harvest. People you know, people that come into your path, people in your family, people you go to school with, people that you work with, if they die without Jesus, they die lost and they're going to spend eternity in hell. There is an urgency for us to share the gospel. There's an urgency for us to live out the gospel, for us to share the good news because Jesus is coming. And that leads us to the third A, and ashamed. I don't know about you. I'm pretty certain you feel the same way I do. But when Jesus returns, do not let us be found ashamed. I don't want to be found ashamed. Jesus did everything for me. I don't want to come back and him find me loving this world more than I love him. I don't want him come back and find me not in his word and not serving and not following and not abiding. And that's what he says here. If you abide in Jesus, you will have confidence and not be ashamed of him when he comes. When we're abiding with Jesus, we're walking in fellowship with Jesus, then we can say, as John says, even so, come. Come on, Jesus, I'm ready for you. But we do not want to be found ashamed. We want to be living for Jesus. And I just want to conclude, if you're here and you're lost or you're listening online and you're lost, if Jesus was to come back today... There you are lost in your sins. You will be ashamed because you've rejected the one who came. He came because he loves you and he came and he died for you and he came to rescue you. Yet you've rejected him. You will be ashamed. But I just want to say to you, that doesn't have to be your story. Jesus can change your story today. 
right there in that living room, just kneeling down next to the couch and saying, Jesus, I surrender to you. I trust in you. I repent of my sins. I believe you died for me, rose again. I give my life to you to follow you. Those in this sanctuary, you can do the same thing right there in that pew at this altar to surrender broken. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. Jesus, I need you to forgive me and save me and trust in him today. I want to end with one verse and then we're going to have an invitation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, listen to these words. In verse 8, it's talking about, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And then he says in verse 9, Paul says, therefore, we make it our aim, you hunters. You take that bow and you, you pull it back and you've got a target. You've got to aim and something. You've got a goal that you're shooting at. And he says, we make it our aim. We make it our goal. We make it our desire, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Well-pleasing to Jesus. Let that be our prayer every day as we begin the day. As I go to school and I walk through those halls, I want to be well-pleasing to you, Jesus. As I go to that workplace, I want to be well-pleasing to you, Jesus. And that house with that wife or that husband or those kids and those grandkids, I want to be well-pleasing to you. Everything I do here at the church, I want to be well-pleasing to you. We are a people who are called to practice righteousness. It is fruit of the root that's took part when we've been born again. Evidence that we are living for Jesus. If there's some sin in your life, come confess it. If you're living after this world more than living after God, come confess it. If you want to come thank him for what he did for you, come celebrate. If you're here and you're lost, come and be saved. Would you stand with me for prayer? Lord, you are faithful. You are so gracious and so merciful that you are willing to impute the righteousness of Jesus on our account if we confess our sins and we trust in you. By faith, we can be saved through grace. Oh, Lord, I pray, thanking you for your grace. For by grace, we are saved through faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. If there's any here who listen online who are not believers today, who are not trusting in you, they're trusting in their own righteousness, and I pray today they will come under conviction and repent and be saved this day. For us who are believers, you will come back. You're coming again. It could be even this moment or this day or this week or this month or this year or 100 years from now. But we believe it's soon, Lord. Help us not be found ashamed. Lord, help us be found abiding in you and practicing righteousness. Lord, give us an urgency and a brokenness for lost people. Give us a hope, a hope in you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.